This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Body Count, the podcast where we believe history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes, and a proud member of the Big Heads Podcast Network. We're here to show you don't hate history, you just hate the way it was taught to you. Only rule when we choose a topic, someone... Well, or a lot of someone's died. We give you the series of events in a narrative fashion, and by the end, correlate said story with current events. Please know that none of us here are PBS Ken Burns or Dan Carlin. So if you want a Hooveresque, just the facts, my own history podcast, we are not going to be for you. I.e., there will be analysis, opinions, and please know this is not a lecture. All the opinions are our own. Know that for this episode today, I am holding the host verbally hostage. So direct your hate, well, still at her because we all know smarter <laughs> than me. It is said that tragedy plus time equals comedy. Remember, we're going to giggle and, and know that we were going to giggle at some occasionally rough subject matter. We're not trying to offend anyone just know that you've been warned i am the co-host bethany skelton bringing you a backwards body count with the one the only the almighty the powerful the glorious host with the most it's jessica manor guys now normally i host the ass clonery that occurs here, but I'm very excited that we are doing a backwards body count. And we yeah. are doing a backwards body count on something I had in the uh in the old deep pocket for later. And I'm so totally pumped that I don't have to write this mofo. Um I know that. I had no idea. I just I knew that I needed to do something. And this particular episode kind of hit close to home for me. Obviously, I wasn't born during the time that it happened, but I've been there. I love that. I love that you said, well, you know, <laughs> I needed to. Basically, I am in the midst of a total mental breakdown. <laughs> Bethany's having to shoulder a lot right now, guys. So well, feel actually, bad for her. <laughs> we are both going through, you know, here's the thing is when they gave that, like, um, they, they actually, our county gave a, a phone call survey. Do you want, you, you know, would you want to go back to school or do you feel more comfortable doing virtual? And I'm like, where's neither? Or <laughs> you decide. <laughs> Please tell me. And, you know, in the end, they actually did. And here's the thing. I'm glad we're doing virtual in a sense. However, my experience with virtual is so different than your virtual. And honestly, I'm like, anytime there's a problem, I'm like, just remember what Jessica's going through. Just remember what Jessica. <laughs> it could be worse. So <laughs> I'm so happy that we found a window where we're like, everybody leave us alone. We're recording. Because of course, Nobody understands in the podcast. Uh, in most of the podcast community, there are not people with children. 
Um, so it's it's, and I know why. Oh, now that's... I know why. Uh, it's it seemed like a good idea at a time when my child was younger and before <laughs> virtual learning. We also used to, you know, here's the thing: is like I was complaining to my husband. I was like, I have to blah. He's like, you mean a housewife? I said, listen, a housewife's job is to get uh, the kids up in the morning and off to school. They're Clean your house, and then you've got infinite time during the day. Oh, my God. I was like, here's the problem. is with the kids I'm not sending off to school. <laughs> They're <laughs> always here. They're and see. Here. They never leave. <laughs> I envisioned virtual school as they're going to be in a classroom, basically doing the same thing they would do as if they were in class, just over video. This okay. is not the case. Okay, so that is exactly what I thought. And actually, that is what's happening on our end. However, it stops at 12 and they're dismissed. So from 12 to 3. They have a 30-minute lunch break. Fair. Okay. Well, let's not line it all out. But from 12 to 3, in other words, they you're have the teacher. <laughs> have you completed this? When's your small group time? Oh, it's in 30 minutes. Okay, so for 30 minutes, what could you be doing? Well, I already did. Can I just watch TV? No, you were at school. <laughs> Yes, there's a lot of the screaming, now this is school at my house. Let me put it this way. My hate letters to my local school board, I have, and we all know that I am a prominent builder of the soapbox, but I have built a grandstand. I have built, it looks like the Lawrence Welk show of just screaming weird hate letters. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I feel like that's where you're at, just so everybody knows. But let's go ahead and do our housekeeping and why I'm so excited that we are doing a backwards body count this week really quickly. Let me get through the spiel and then I'll get to why I'm excited. So, a lot to get to. Housekeeping. We're a part of the Big Heads Podcast Network, a great collection of podcasts. We are super excited, so please go check them out on social media, everyone, at Big Heads Media on Twitter and BigHeadsMedia.com. If you love the show, please, please go and give us those five stars. And you know what? I'm not asking. I'm telling at this point, guys, I need you to go give those five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Crime. It's not for us to feel good about ourselves, although we very, we're very appreciative. Um <laughs> And, and a lot of you have done so, and so thank you, but it really helps us out on our business end. Subscribe, download, comment, share, what, whatever whatever you're able to do. Just even like, oh, hey, what are you listening to? Oh, body count, listen with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, go batshit crazy with it. Um, we would appreciate it, and we always appreciate it. Um, to that note. Our Patreon is back up and running in earnest. Now, we've we've got some live episodes where you can see kind of what we do when we record, and that's just fun. But the reason I'm excited that we're doing a backwards body count, and I want you guys to get used to hearing Bethany gab about history and, and some different stuff, is she's got a series 
that she started. If you follow us on social media, you know she puts out multiple on this day in histories a day. But now, as a companion series to those, she's doing 20-minute free um, Patreon episodes that are up. You can go there and listen to Bethany do live on this day in histories. It's a lot of fun. You can listen to it. I'll be on some of them. Um, if all my hair doesn't fall out and, <laughs> and I don't give myself literal bla- like brain cancer or something, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. And really, honestly, with this series, all that I'm doing is instead of posting on our social media, just very small tidbits of this happened on this day in this year, who this is who was involved. This is the people that died. Because honestly, what we've come to know and love about Body Count is that there's more information as to why this happened. It's always the case. And I can't always um, write about it. Um, on social media, you know, word count (laughs) restrictions and stuff. So it's actually become kind of fun to do. It's like a mini deep dive. Basically, it's like an awesome little three time a week vlog that you're doing. Sometimes you see Bethany doing it. Sometimes you don't. We haven't had video up, but it's always there. It's a lot of fun. We're really enjoying it. Um, Please don't. Uh, constructive criticism is welcome. Thank you. And good night. I'm Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mrs. Maisel. Thank you. And good night. Um, it's the internet, Bethany. It's nothing but criticism. <laughs> if my emails are anything to go by. <laughs> Please constructive, you know. <laughs> what is oh, it? The t- somewhere t- between t- you blow bitch. Hey, phrase it. And you're hot. We would like to hear the comments somewhere between between those. If you could, Internet, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> oh, boy, guys. Like, let me tell you, this is going to be fun because I'm right at the edge of sanity. So, hey, great, because I'm actually going to take you to an amazing Right. And I just want to quickly say that before I get started and I and I tell you about the story and, and, and everything is that I watched on this particular subject, I watched multiple documentaries, um, tons of survivor story. I have to admit that even my husband walked in as I was watching one and this particular subject has live a video of the aftermath and even he was what are you watching (laughs) so i'm actually i fully understand the process that you go through and i'm super excited and prepared to tell you this story i am so excited i'm sorry guys i'm a little bit intoxicated that i'm Ah. I'm legitimately excited (laughs) <laughs> it didn't come across correctly. Thank God for scripting. <laughs> Thank God for scripting. Let me tell you guys, basically what we do is pop out an outline on this and just go nuts. Uh, that's what we do. So, Bethany, I don't know why I'm trying to lead this like camel charge. This is all your uh, horse race here. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I'm actually going to... 
take you to Kansas City, Missouri, sometime around May of 1978. So I'm already bummed because at no point do I ever want to go to Kansas City, Missouri, if I can help it. <laughs> and that's what I mean by no hashtag filter. Here's the thing, though, Jay, is that Kansas City is actually really okay. As I'm obviously biased because I'm from Kansas and I've I've participated in the Kansas City, Missouri crazy lifestyle. But 1978, I agree, not so much. Okay, but however, the city had just approved and then started construction of revamping their image, turning what many considered outdated cow town into a place of fun and class so that's what they were trying to do they already had actual they already had some high tall buildings but they were businesses so it wasn't like a nightlife or anything to draw people in so they a lot they, of the united states kind of went under that like underwent that sort of change our image in the 70s basically let's not be as big as shitholes as we seem like Right. So I'm I'm pumped because we're already gearing up for disaster. So yes. Yeah, so so what they did is they they start on a project with which is a building. Uh, it, it, it what they decided is like basically in the downtown heart of Kansas City. They say okay, we're gonna build this huge masterpiece that is the Hyatt Regency Hotel. We've all. I mean, I've stayed at a Hyatt before. I've seen Hyatts. Even if you've never stayed at one, anywhere you go, a Hyatt is right there. It's right there and available. And, and this one in particular is designed to have 40 floors. It goes 40 floors up, which is actually making it at the time one of the tallest buildings like in, in that particular for Kansas, for the Cowtown area. Okay. Okay. Probably by this point, cities are like, that's your highest building. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're we're in the Midwest, okay? <laughs> like I said, Kansas City, Missouri yep. is Kansas City, Missouri. You take what you're gonna get. All right. Like well, nobody's the building the Waldorf Astoria there, guys. So no. But instead, they build this huge design. Like I said, with the 40 floors wall to ceiling glass even some of this the atrium it has it's designed to have like open glass very open like feature um restaurants on different floors including it's supposed to be like a revolving restaurant up on the top floor so it's like okay cool i mean it's it's becoming something kind of like cool however they were like they said to the structural engineer and they're like all right look we need something even more to stand out so jack gillum who is the structural engineer decided on these walkways and they they go across the lobby and they they look at first glance they appear to be kind of suspended or floating in in the air you know which is I, obviously 1978 you're like damn okay so they measured then this is the crazy part it's like they're 120 feet long and what i mean they stretch from one side of the lobby to the other of this in huge hotel and um they weigh about each 
64,000. Oh my God, 64,000. 64, yes, 64,000. <laughs> Numbers are hard. <laughs> Four beers in. That's the number I can get to right now. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the, the interesting part about it is the fourth floor walkway was directly above the second floor walkway. So every time you went up a floor, there was a walkway. It, I mean, obviously not all the way to the 40 floors, but there was right there in kind of the open area had it to where it was a walkway from one side, one side of the other where there was shops and those restaurants like I discussed before. And then on the third floor was just, you know, obviously a little elevated and then the fourth floor and they designed it right on top of right, right on top of each other, basically or above each other. Right. And, and I mean, you. His design, well, we'll, we'll um, we're going to get to the design. It looks, it actually looks amazing. I mean, when you see the finished product, it really does. Well, sure it does. <laughs> right, it really is. <laughs> okay. But we'll get to the <laughs> Okay. This is why Jessica Manor always takes the GD stairs. <laughs> like this story is uh -huh. the inspiration for don't don't do that just don't do that just take the stairs they are a tried and tested thing and it's a great fire escape exercise <laughs> ah exactly sorry i know what's coming some of our listeners are gonna know what's coming i'm oh. about the story right now okay so about 17 months into the building, uh, a section of the atrium's glass ceiling, like I said, it was very open glass. It, the size of a tennis court, so it's huge, just crashes down, okay, just And so they come in and they're like, no worries, because after the investigation, it seemed that apparently the bolts, okay, I'm about to talk foreign language to myself, but, um, the bolts connecting to the roof steel beams were wrongly installed and included it was just a one-off. Okay. <laughs> related to the the suspended walkways, it's above the walkways, but the roof did crash down all upon everything below. And I will, I'm going to tell you this right now, during that incident, that accident, they did look at it. They looked at everything but the walkways. Okay. <laughs> so well, naturally, why yeah. would you look at a tiny indoor suspension bridge? Because <laughs> nothing's ever gone wrong there. Which, when the roof just clogged, no big deal. Okay. You know yeah. what? Yes, a tennis court size sheet of glass just rained down on everybody. But, mm -hmm. but. Yes, because. I mean, that doesn't bode well, right? Right. <laughs> so I want you to remember what we just talked about, because the thing is, is this upcoming scene of events could have been prevented. Yeah. Of course. Shocker. <laughs> oh, so we're gonna we're gonna fast forward two and a half years later. 
okay? And despite many setbacks and everything, which two and a half years to complete this kind of project is, and the whole reason for the push was because of the, you know, they needed something to boost the economy during that time. It's, remember we're 1978 going into the 80s, you know, we needed something to for those that do not know, 78 wasn't a great time for the U.S. economy. So, no. yeah. Um, so, and the Hyatt is actually, the Hyatt in this, re in this particular area is one of the fastest completed on record. And, can you believe it or not, opens on schedule July 1st, 1980. Can you, can you, when does ever a project open on schedule? Like Nor that. do you want to win the fastest construction award. I mean, there are some things you definitely want to be fastest, right? Uh, uh, the Olympics. <laughs> All right. Um, package delivery. However. <laughs> but I got it to you two days in advance. Okay, but what am I going to do with this? It's broken. Oh, God. Mm. However, okay. you have done the building version of Ace Ventura delivering, like, a package to me. So, I mean, <laughs> does not bode well. The entirety of the story should just be called doesn't bode well. Oh, my God. I love that you're using that terminology because it's going to come. It's going to come into play. Oh, so <laughs> So much. So everything seems to be perfect. Okay. So we're open on schedule. Everybody gets to kind of come in and see this huge open space lobby area with suspended walkways to restaurants and shops. And you can stay there. It just is like amazing. I mean, people were just mesmerized by all of what they had seen. It's not something, obviously, this <laughs> comparable to dirt field in Missouri. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a sight to see. Right. So with the Hyatt being in the downtown area, what they did is they, they decided to start holding tea dances on Friday nights during the summer. Now, I have actually... I'm going to need you to back up. Teen or tea dances. T E A. Like the Queen. Tea. Like the Queen. <laughs> not, I would have not, said not, as not, in the shit we threw in a harbor, but I'm following. Tea of the Queen. Oh, of course put history with hey. I was good. I did I did the Queen. I did the Queen. No tea dances. And here's the thing, Jessica, is I actually looked into what the fuck these tea dances were. And there was never any fucking tea. There was never any tea. Ever. Instead. It's like cotillion for adults. Yeah. But like adults in polo shirts and fucking white jeans, because it's 1980. <laughs> It was a tea, lots of alcohol, and mainly whiskey, and live bands. But you dressed in your like your like survivors describe this as like they put on their Sunday best. Some of these I would not wear those. Nothing says class like a glass of bourbon and a sequin dress. <laughs> <laughs> 
seriously and and not and not only that they also had in these tedious it was dance competitions with like couples and honestly it sounds like damn that's my kind of scene i would have been there with my whiskey and my friday night dress it's just a bunch of drunk ass idiots like doing ballroom i am sorry missouri i have no more problem with you than i do any other state i'm just filterless this week i apologize so it's like sequins whiskey and amateur ballroom boy nothing spells class like those three things and beginning of, i mean that's what all the survivors it was a classy joint that's what they kept it was one classy place okay so we are going to actually skip forward because um, after its opening on Friday, July 17th, 1981. So we're just a year and some change after its opening, okay? This is when the big tragedy strikes, okay? So this is what we're getting into. Um, the thing about this is that the day seemed like any other in the Midwest. It was hot. People were ready to get off work, go home and get dressed up, meet their friends for this um, 1940s themed DT dance, which, like I said, it had been happening every, you know, it was every Friday night from five to eight. Perfect time. Perfect time to get a sitter in the 80s. I don't know. I'm trying to act like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But uh, I mean. In the Cowtown life, it is, okay? This was something that was a normal thing that was available on a Friday night. Um, some were were checking out the scene for the first time while, while others were like, oh, this is my 15th time. Co- uh, obviously, it's not 15 Fridays till July 17th, but you get what I'm saying. They, they're just, they've been every Friday night, okay? Um, by the time everything gets kicked off, close to 2,000 people had come that night to dance with friends, drink, and have, you know, just the classy time at, like, the hippest joint in town, okay? Like, right, this, right, right, right. Like, this was the place to be, and that's actually why they built it in the first place. Build it, and they will come. It is the truth. <laughs> Build it right. And they will come. That should be the wage. (laughs) (laughs) Build it so you don't die and they will come. Right. So, okay. So get this. So the party was in full swing when um, the dance competition, it it kicked off at seven. Okay. So by this point, what I mean is like there are wall-to-wall people by seven o'clock. Everybody has had dinner already, you know, before they come for drinks in the downtown area. I mean, it's packed, okay? And uh, a live band is playing. They start, what they do is actually the first thing that they decide to kick off the dance competition with is a is a beautiful foxtrot, okay? Hey, hey. So I they're getting out there doing some Ginger Roger shit, like really getting into it, right? Yeah, and people, I mean, people immediately grab partners. Like, even if you were there single, and by this point, you've had enough drinks to find another single person. And it's like, hey, I know, do you know date? Do you know the box shot? Yeah, I know that box shot. It's the 80s. So, I mean, people are just having a 
a blast. So this is the crazy part, at least for me. A local TV crew had actually arrived like at the very beginning of this whole shindig. And they were just there to record and deliver a segment on the, you know, later on, like at the nine o'clock, I think it's like nine, you know, the nine o'clock news hour. It was like, it was basically a fluff piece, like come to the hippest joint in town. You but know? little did they know they were about to hit reporting goals. <laughs> so it was beginning to, like I said, it was, it was beginning to be so crowded and the dance, the, you know, the dance competition had just started. So this TV crew, they moved to the second floor using the elevator. Okay. Now they didn't trans. Once they got off the elevator, they, the cameraman was like, Hey, I am almost out of battery. I'm almost out of tape time to reload. And so when they got off the elevator, they stepped off to the side. Luckily they didn't go out onto the walkway. Okay. They just stepped off to the side. So the cameraman had to, they had to turn it off and everything. And the reporter stopped to help him. Now, 7.05 p.m., the TV reporter says he heard this loud metallic and then boom, crash. I mean, it just within seconds, the second floor walkway he said, if you want to put your fingers next to each other and make like this line, it started to, and when he heard the pop, he immediately looked up and he said the middle uh, of the second walkway, okay, so the second floor walkway started to bow in the middle, okay, and it just, that's when he heard the popping sound and he could see it bowing. And then, boom, it just falls, taking the fourth floor walkway, which is right on top of it, with it. Just boom, boom, boom. Like, crushing those on not only the second floor walkway, because, yes, they might have heard these popping sounds, and sh it was shaking, and they probably tried to run, but it was in a matter of seconds that the second floor walkway just crashed, taking this eight ton walkway above it with it and there you are if you're in the middle of the walkway you're fucking done and because this is not only not only that but the people on the lobby crushing those on the second i mean they burnt like they just buried the ones on the floppy floor okay i mean and even survivors oh. there are survivors and this is what i'm saying it's like i cannot i have a love-hate relationship with survivor stories do we get great accounts of what happened yes but does my heart go to them? Yes. Okay. So they even recalled that first, like even a split second, which they said afterwards, which felt like ages. There was like this just so after thing after everything just fell, they said that it was just silent, like an eerie quiet, like just came over, like because nobody had any idea what had just happened. People were still, even with the metallic pops, people were still dancing. It wasn't until everything actually started crashing and falling that people stopped and like realized what was actually happening. Okay, so, and then, then came the screams. And by this time, complete chaos has, was everywhere. The TV reporter had helped the cameraman 
put a new battery in a tape and was back on and rolling. And they actually have live footage. And I'm not joking, Jessica, in these, but like you can find the footage anywhere online. You can see body parts just like poking out. Like you can see legs and arms just like poking out from underneath like concrete rubble. It's like really quickly. Also, I want to remind our listeners this was well before the time of like 24 hour news cycles where we were watching the Murrah building bombing this uh, two seconds after it happened. This was before 9 11 where we literally watched it. This is before you could watch war on the news. Like the most interesting thing that had happened on the news before this was probably. Bud Dwyer eating a bullet on national television. So, like, this was a big deal. And and I will say, as a tidbit, I actually didn't put that in there, but I will say this as a tidbit. This TV reporter who was just there to do a fluff piece was going to come back to the studio, edit, do all that stuff in time for the 9, 10 o'clock news. He ended up actually having the entire 10 o'clock, nine, I, can't, I actually can't remember if it was 9 or 10. Who cares? Regardless, he had the entire slot of breaking news of of what just happened and and here's the thing is he was able to do that because he happened to be there now he didn't capture the moment of it falling all the videos display like a recreation and a showing of description and stuff like that of what happened but you can just see everything like uh, just complete like there's dust and rubble i mean people are Bar- you can see people buried alive. Like, it's there. The The other thing that I saw was you can actually see on the footage, people just jump into immediate action. I mean, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a paramedic. But I would do whatever I could. I mean, people were jumping like, it's okay. Don't Just breathe. I know. You'll be all right. What's your name? Tell me your name. Like, you, you can see them even though that they are completely shell-shocked and terrified that they just survived this, they have friends. Like, that's the other thing is a lot of these people, they all came to this event because somebody told them about it. Oh, my friend. Oh, my family. This family told me about that. I wanted to check it out. You know, so they knew people that were already there. It's absolutely insane. And, I mean, after that, like, they even tried to get those that were trapped out. They were trying to be like, okay, help me move this. They, I mean, I'm not, nobody's Hercules, but in that moment, they're like, I can lift a eight ton slab of concrete. Sure. If it's to save my friend that's underneath. Yeah. Well, and, I and- think it's a natural human reaction. Like you can't just stand there and do nothing. Uh, you, you don't think logically that, oh, I need actual equipment to you're just going to do whatever you can do in yeah. the moment and and very quickly people are are starting to make 911 calls reporting what had happened but the the thing about this is that even i even listened to some of these report calls that they couldn't even fully describe and put into detail it just fell it they both fell they, they're they're on the ground how many people are hurt hundreds like, I don't think you're understanding. Like, there's, like, you can hear them. They can't even put into words. And even the rescue team, you know, uh, the commentary on firefighters that had gone to the scene, they had 
no idea what they were walking into. And, you know, at this moment, you're like, well, what could make matters worse? I'll tell you. Shortly after the collapse, a water main broke and started to fill up the lobby with water. Just I mean, just pouring in. One of the survivors, actually, he recounts, he was in this particular cyber survivor that tells me this story. He was actually one of those that was under both. And, and I'm going to recount his story quite a bit. I'm going to tell his version of the story. Um, this particular person was under both slabs of walkway. Okay. Odd. He was on the lobby floor. Okay, can I stop you really quick? I'm just going to break this up because it's about to get rougher from here. When you said, I'm going to tell a lot of his story. And I was like, yeah, no shit, Bethany. You're talking about history. But then I came to realize you meant his. Like. His. Like. <laughs> pronounced yeah. singular. Story. <laughs> I've got well, you. I Sorry. Survivors, it is kind of a, I'm getting a lot of my information from a lot of survivors, but this one in particular just broke me because what he does is he recounts that as this happened, he said that he immediately started to see the water rising and it started out murky, like kind of like a murky brown. And then it started to turn a dark red. And he was like, wait, oh my God, this is blood. But the problem is, is he was pinned. And so what he would do is he would take the water in his mouth, turn his head and spit it to try it. You know, kind of like, you know, when a boat is filling up with water, how you're taking a pail and trying to to keep the, you know, afloat. He was doing that to try and keep airspace. But I got to say, that's a guy that wants to live right there. Like, like to be trapped under all that and still be thinking, all right, I have to do this to maintain like my airspace. I just got to get through this to get to this. Damn. Yeah. Oh, and we'll get to him. Trust me. Destiny's so child should devote <laughs> survivor to that dude, right? Uh, like, survivor. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't have, but it's so funny. True. Okay. Sorry, I'm uncomfortable because this is uncomfortable. So that's just what popped into my head, guys. Yes. So now we're going to go 40 minutes have now passed after the collapse. Okay. And people are still. And can I just say, Kansas City, Missouri hasn't seen fit to shut off the water to the Hyatt Regency yet? Oh, girl. I'm about to. I'm going to tell you. Oh, uh. so. I'm gonna get there. So people are still trapped, and the water at this point is still rising. So we're 40 minutes in, and nobody's thought, like, wait, where is it coming from? So this is a fucking land Titanic situation. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, it's not funny. On the high <laughs> Midwest <laughs> land Titanic situation. Seriously, on the driest part of land, they're drowning. Okay. So, um, uh, what happens is, <laughs> I mean, honestly, what I always think about in this situation is so imagine if you're like trapped under there, but still alive. <laughs> now you're going to be like, 
fuck, I'm gonna die. Not from being crushed to death, but from drowning. <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing because I'm like, fuck. <laughs> no. So here's the thing is when rescue crews arrive, they're very quickly to realize that once they get like the people out, like out of the way, like, I, thank you for helping, but I need, we need to get in there. They're like, okay, where's this water coming from? They finally turn it off, but it's not going down. So this was the inspiration for move, bitch, get out the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got ya. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Move, bitch, get out the way. And. <laughs> Not only that, but they're like, okay, I know the water's coming in, so we're turning it off, but we're, they could, it wasn't decreasing, okay? So when they really <sighs> bigger equipment, they have this bright idea to break the front doors open at, to, so they can get, you know, bigger construction equipment out, right? So, yeah. Well, here's the thing is when they pull apart the front doors, when they did that, they had no idea that the doors had become an unintentional dam. They had no idea. They were like, what's going on? Why can't the water? So they're like, I know. And we, but even opening up the doors, even the, with the construction equipment, once the water proceeded to dry, you know, drain out, they still could not lift this rubble, like, at all. I mean... They try to bring in jackhammers and other power tools, but it just, we're talking about, like, thick sheets of concrete here. Oh, so concrete and glass is hazardous and heavy. (laughs) Who fucking knew? So they knew that they needed to get the heavier pieces up, hopefully to find survivors, but by this point, they're like, honestly, we're probably just looking to, like... We're recovering yeah. bodies. Yeah. So, what they did is they brought a construction crane, and it was brought over, and it actually, what they did is they brought it through the skylight. You remember the one that fell a million, you know... Oh, over? yeah. They just broke it through and decided, like, hey, let's use this crane, okay? And so, if there's... You mean the warning sign? Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so by this point, the rescuers, I mean, they're just assuming that they're, when they lift these slabs, they're going to locate dead people. Just, yeah. But when they lifted up these big pieces, they were fine to actually find, they found several people, not a whole lot. Okay, I don't want to get your hopes up or anything, but they did find quite a few people <laughs> that were alive. They were alive. But here's the, here's the metal part. Okay, they were tangled in limbs and other bodies of the dead, but they were still alive. So this whole time, by this point, the crane, we're talking about maybe an hour, two hours, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, thirty, that even they start removing rubble. So these people that have been alive have not only faced crushing death, almost being drowned, but they're intertwined with dead bodies. Like just parts of dead bodies okay and 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 not only that but when he finally was rescued and pulled out and from the rubble he was hanging on to dear life to a shoe but it and they kept trying to be like give me the shoe give me the shoe and it wasn't his shoe 
he just, it was an instinct. Like he was grabbing hold of it. Come to find out it was a shoe. With a foot in it. With a foot in it. Yes. Yeah. It was still inside. It was someone else's. But that was his hope. And he said, look, I know it sounds crazy, but honestly, holding that person's shoe gave me a sense of hope. And I was like. (laughs) 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 Right. You know what? I am so glad you're going through an nth of the shit that I endlessly have to wade through deciding what we're going to talk about on this podcast. I'm so not excited. That's the wrong word. No, please don't take it that way, folks. Depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, you got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to move on because there's another survivor. And and here's the thing is he recalls being trapped and calling out at at first loudly. But later he had to, he was actually calling out for his wife. He was like, Jesus Christ, Bethany, you are laying it on. Okay. And, but then eventually had to actually put it in whispers to, so he could conserve the air. And because he started whispering, then he could hear the whispers and the small voices of others that were still alive but trapped. Hurt badly, but, you know, still alive. And fuck. They started, what they did is they did a, like a roll call. Okay, so on the hour, what they did is said, I'm alive, my name is Block. I'm alive, my name is Block. Okay, so at first, the first round when they did this, there was like 11 or 12 people. He, he couldn't, he didn't specifically say, but he was like about 11 or 12. We all counted off. And like, but within the hour, and they did a call out three times within the hour. On the second call out, he said that it showed it was mm. seven people. Seven people started calling out by that point. It, it dwindled pretty, pretty quickly. Is what he said, you know, and again, like they said, they were like, my name is so-and-so and I'm telling you, I'm hurt bad. They, he said that they never really said what, but they just explicitly like, look, I'm hurt bad. And so I thought it was really smart to do a call off like that personally, because it you know, it just kind of helps you in that situation, I guess, hold on to something. I don't know. I've never been in that. Okay. So we're going to continue um, into 11.05 PM. So now we're officially, you know, four hours into the initial <clears throat> four hours. Okay. And many are, oh. still they're still trapped. Okay. Because Crews and medical teams are like, they're trying to, they're, they're, they're rushing around. They're like, okay, well, we can't lift it and we want to lift it, but how are we going to lift it? Like, okay, well, and, you know, doctors came on scene making temporary morgues in the lobby. I mean, it, it got to the point where they were just running around. The doctor even said, like, he, the one of the doctors, he was claimed as a hero. And he, I saw the interview with him. He was like, I don't know. I'm no hero. I had to make those decisions of looking at someone and going, there is literally nothing I can do for you. You will die and move on to the next person. You know, I just could not imagine 
at this point because at, now we're going into 1235 a death report released okay now everybody knows about what's going on they want answers and they're like okay at least over 60 people have died <laughs> no names just somewhere over 60 died okay and so by 1.30 a.m., they finally have gotten the crane down into the skylight, attached safely to the fourth floor walkway, because that's technically on top, right? And they, there's one wrong move, one wrong, one wrong move of this attachment. Anybody underneath alive, they would be dead. Well, yeah, because it's all going to come crashing violently and quickly down again. Right. And what it revealed when they hoisted it up, it was just plain death. And now a few people did survive with incredible critical crushed ribs. Like there was one instance of a of a woman saying that her ribs were crushed down to her pelvis. So Bitch, that woman survived. Okay, it took a hot minute, but she fucking survived with her ribs on her pelvis. And so it, I mean, like folded like pretzels with their legs completely out of their sockets, like feet by head, like it's just insane. A firefighter, when he was trying to help out, he actually was standing kind of off to the side of the walkways, not in the middle where it had bowed down. Um, he was standing off to the side. He had heard like this. He kept hearing something. He was like, oh, my God, I think that's what is that? And he realized he like helped him kind of like move the debris a bit and discovered it was an 11 year old boy trapped, but alive. Oh, he talked to the he talked to this boy. He was laying on his stomach with his head kind of like. You couldn't even see his head. It was like poking down underneath. Like it was, he was buried, you know, um, with this point for over an hour before they finally were able to make any kind of process, like progress at removing and getting him. And he kept saying, I came here with my mom. My mom is here somewhere. She was right next to me. She was right next to me, but I can't see her. I'm t- or She's talking to me now. And that was the worst part is a lot of these people, they were with their wives. And when it came down, they were by themselves and they would call out, you know, one guy even said that he could move the rubble a bit and he saw his wife who slipped into unconsciousness right in front of him. She ended up surviving. Lucky her. But he recalled this account. I mean, it's just insane. And so um, even after, after talking to him for a while at 2.05 a.m., after many efforts of trying to make sure that they get everything moved, the section trapping the boy and his mother is removed. But in order to get to them, once they've removed the debris, they got to realize- dig through rubble. Yeah, but once they get through the rubble, they realize that this this boy and his mom, in order to get them free, they had to extract the limbs of the dead. Because they were intertwined. And the boy actually recalled. He's a grown man when he was doing his interview. He recalled. He remembered that. But he does not remember being entwined with other people. 
He just remembers being in excruciating pain. And, you know, the firefighter that released him put on, like, no, I had to remove people that were already dead. They were looking at me. But when I looked at them and I checked their pulse, they were dead. So I had to remove their limbs in order to get the person that was alive out of there. At that point, though, I think I would just shut all the rest of it out and be like, fuck it. This kid's alive. Like, whatever I got to move, whatever I got to do, I don't care. I mean, we're talking about like two o'clock in the morning. I mean, this incident happened at seven o'clock at night. Like, we're way past, like, we should not be finding survivors. You know? I I agree, but like, like you said, four freaking stories of concrete is a lot of shit to move. It is. Especially when you, you're not expecting something like that. Oh, God. What a nightmare. Yes. So by the time it was 3.35 a.m., the rescue teams were now certain that it was just dead bodies left to collect. Like, by this point, after they had found the 11-year-old boy, you know, 11 year old boy. I'm hoping we're going to be surprised. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here you go. So what they did is they started to use a jackhammer on big patches of concrete. What they didn't realize was there was actually one more person alive underneath. Yes, rescue rangers. Now, this is the man that I talked about in the very beginning with his, I will survive. (laughs) I will survive. (laughs) Spitting out bloody water. Okay. Yeah, this guy is like, again, this is what Beyonce was talking about, y'all. Yeah. And I mean, this guy was on the lobby floor under two piles. Okay. So. They here's the thing is this he started to actually what he said is he he could hear a okay this is what he well this is hard for me to say he describes that he was literally sandwiched with both feet above his head okay so he was face down with his face between his legs like it's like the ultimate stretch I guess. You know, I, I, I'm I'm trying to explain it the best I can. Uh, he, uh, no, I got it. Yeah. Just sandwiched, like, down, okay? He said that he recalls that the, he could hear the jackhammer. And as soon as he heard it, he started shouting, like, hey, I'm, I, I'm under here. I'm under here. I'm under. The first jackhammer went by his arm. Right. Like, it actually sliced his arm right and then they like did another section and he said it came down right like right where his legs should have been okay and they knew the next one was coming right into the middle of his back kind of like in a triangle motion you know that's how you that's what you do with a jackhammer kind of doing like a in a triangle like in that you know in three sections right um he can i mean he didn't stop like if anything he said he shouted even harder and luckily, right as the guy was like readjusting and getting ready for the the third attempt, someone happened to be like, "Wait, wait, wait! Shh, shh, shh. Turn that off! Turn, turn it off!" And they're like, "Oh my god, there's there's somebody down there!" And and they immediately stopped the jackhammer. They started pulling the rubble out by their hands. <laughs> 
And when they found him, they couldn't get him out. And what they ended up doing is this is the same man where his both of his like so he's sandwiched down like a pretzel. Okay. Both of his legs have been pulled out of his socket. Okay. Like they're they're I'm not kidding. He's like literally smushed. They couldn't get him out any other way except to the legs by his head that were out of the socket. Fucking ouch. Okay. Out until almost an hour later. 4.30 a.m. was when he was pulled out. And he is actually recorded as the last known survivor. And he said the pain that he felt being pulled out, he actually thought he was going to die by drowning. And then when that stopped, he thought he was going to die by jackhammer. I mean, even before that, he was like, nobody's going to find me. How do they, they, nobody knows that I'm alive. Nobody can hear me. And then when he heard the jack, he's like, oh my God, I'm going to die by a jackhammer. And then when they pulled him out, he described this, he's like, honestly, even though they were out of their sockets, I still felt the pain. The pain was still there. And you know what? I'll tell you what, I would take that pain over my death. And I was like, oh my God. This, this, this is what Beyonce was singing about, y'all. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work harder. For real. But you know what? Like, I I get what he's saying. Like, I, I will take pain all fucking day long because it means I'm fucking alive. That's actually, um, he's not the only survivor that recalls being pinned like that. Um, because again, you've got concrete slabs just coming down upon you. You're going to be folded in half. Yeah. And it's within an instant, like, just crush. You have time, you know, people are like, oh, I tried to run, but I took two steps. And then it was just pitch black. I was knocked out. And when I woke up, I was in excruciating pain. I realized what position I was in. And I started to rub my feet and my legs to create circulation. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. So now we are officially at 7.45 a.m. So we're past 12-hour mark. At this point, um, they've they've like I said, we we just we know for a fact that we just rescued the last known survivor. We just finished mm-hmm, with that. We mm-hmm. know for a fact. He was like, he was it. He was kind of like a dime in a dozen, a needle in a haystack. This oh, is it. Please walk away. <laughs> He's what Beyonce wrote about. That's yes. what Destiny Child, uh, Destiny's Child was about. Okay, yes, I got it. 10 years later. No, <laughs> I don't know exactly, but still. Um, so here's the thing is by this point at, at 7.45 a.m., they have used this crane to attach itself to the final piece, like big chunk of what they, t- they called it the second story walkway 
But in reality, I was like, isn't it a mixture of like everything in between second floor, fourth floor? Tis all the walkways at this point. I agree with that assessment, Bethany. Bodies, like, like, let's just be honest. You're just picking up a pile of remains at this point. Okay. Yeah, you're just scraping together before DNA is a thing. Like, and calling it what it is. Right. So here's the thing is, remember when I said back at like 1230 a.m. they had done a, a body count. They they gave it a body, at least they. 60. It was like, oh, well, Correct. it was a little over 60. They kind of think maybe 60. Sure. It all, they could only give you because people had so many like, give me, tell me what the fuck you know so they gave a loose term by this point though when they lifted this last piece they were devastated because they immediately found 31 dead bodies just fuck me so they had to they had to put that into the body count and by 805 a.m the report came out with a body count of 114 people dead with over 200 that were injured they they, you know again here and there 200 people roughly were injured okay and so that was that was the biggest thing is that the they thought that they were like okay we're good we're good and then when they got to the very last piece there it was so Here's the thing. What's what struck me as crazy, like crazy and weird, is like by 11 a.m. So 8:05 was the final report, but just a few hours later at 11 a.m., people they started cleanup. Okay, and and yes, the questions were pouring in even more, especially since the body count is well over a hundred with a lot of loved ones, like. We're talking about 18 wives and husband couples, like 18 couples had died. Okay. And so people had questions. They were like, WTF, mate? Like, <laughs> why did this happen? How did this happen? Who who can we point a finger at? Who's who's to blame? So this is my favorite part of the tale. Is like once we get to the shock of death. And disaster, aka this podcast theme. <laughs> it who it, fucked up? Who the fuck fucked up? And and the crazy part is, we actually do find out. This is this is a good one because we actually we do. always find out. <laughs> Let's be honest. We'll find we it. always find we'll out find whether find it's a Guadalajara sewer disaster or a bridge collapse. We always find out. Okay, so this is where it gets tricky because the mayor, he... Can I just take a guess that it's a multi-person fuck-up since this is, you know, 20th century? (laughs) I'm not spilling beans. I'm not spilling anybody. All right, all right, all right. I'm listening. I'm listening. The mayor, he actually has the brains because he decided to bring in an unbiased investigator to avoid what usually happens when you know private investigators come in and they try to spin it around and be like it's the people's fault which actually spoiler spoiler um so they actually what ends up happening 
is that, and this is the crazy part, is because one of the private investigators does claim that it was the people's fault on the walkways. The walkways, hold on, Jess, hold on, hold on. The walkways, and this is actually something he says, the walkways were designed to walk on, not to dance, and they should know better. Well, at the end of the day, that's a really poor defense in court because it's the <laughs> hotel's job to state, walk only, do not dance. So he's already taken a shit in that file. So well, we're going to assume that's idiot number one in this you, fucking who done it. Well, it's just another example of pushing the blame elsewhere. What was the hotel... Was the people in the hotel okay? Well, if the people don't know any better, then the hotel should have put up a sign. You, you know, well, maybe. if it isn't safe to dance on, it's not safe to walk on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna say, right? I'm gonna right? say, spa spoiler since we heard some popping from eyewitness accounts before we heard a collapse, <laughs> I'm gonna say. It's a builder's fault because that sounds like rivets have gone. <laughs> oh, Jessica. Okay, so I'm going to continue because here's the thing is that because the mayor knew what was happening, he actually contacted and hired the National bureau of standards which is a federal operation to handle the investigation okay correct good Uh, job mayor the problem um, no let's not say good job mayor let's say mayor wants to be reelected and not at all blamed for hyatt regency disaster and i know that's a really long uh tagline (laughs) and a headline there but let's be fucking honest I was trying to give a hashtag win. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, there are no heroes in office, guys. Okay. Let me just go ahead and say that. Everyone's <laughs> an asshole owned by someone. So let's go on. Amen to that. Anyway, so here's the problem. Of course, there's a fucking problem. By the time that the Nash, the NBS got there, which they didn't, you know, drag their feet on this. When they got the call, they were like, we're on our way. Oh, my God. But bureaucracy insists 750 pieces of paper be filed before they can put boots on the ground. (laughs) God, I hate this. I love this country. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Okay, so by the time they got there, the lobby in question had been cleared out. I mean, like, completely. <laughs> oh, my Jesus Christ. All evidence of this collapse just was gone. Apparently, it had been collected by the private investigators and stored in a warehouse. But here's the thing, is that... Um, wait, wait, wait. Can I suppose that we just... Call in whatever those little investigators are from the Federal Aviation Administration. If they can pull pieces of a plane off a seafloor and reconstruct that motherfucker, whoever they are, can we just have them work on all national disasters? <laughs> like, 
Well, here's the thing. This is where Kansas City thought they were being slick, okay? Before the mm-hmm. end before the NBS got there, they had allowed a few reporters, newspaper people to come in and take photographs of the wreckage. And most people that went in at that time just had regular, you know, they weren't, you know, but the Kansas City Star had hired a private investigator on their own that had attached a lens at the time that could, like, had you, it was like a special lens that they called it something, but you know me, it went over my head. Anyway, that helped them see images far away, closer up to get like a more, clear view like i'm more into like like completely picturesque like details okay and it, this gave them like tons of information that actually <laughs> so and now those same disaster how- investigators can reconstruct the plane if you will mm-hmm. yes <laughs> justice uh-huh. sweet so- justice so, okay, so crazy part is I, I didn't put it in the timeline, but around like 11-ish, 11 p.m., the uh, he the structural engineer, Jack Gillum, the guy I had, I had discussed before, he had actually been notified of the accident that had happened, and he got on, he, you know, he's actually on a lot of these documentaries telling about how he got the phone call, and he was like, this this is something you just, you don't forget. and he, oh, you don't say, sir. Really? No shit. And so he actually arrived on the scene and he specifically said, he was like, as soon as I got there, I could look up and say, hold on, let me get the quote because I don't want to like say it wrong. <laughs> it's like, he said, where, where are the stiffeners? Is it is it stiffeners? Is, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, when I said this quote to my husband, he's a welder, you know, in the ship. He knew exactly what I'm talking about, and we'll we'll get to that because he and it's coming up right now because the way Jack Gillum had designed these walkways was using like a 14 meter long rod from the ceiling with stiffeners in between to balance the so, weight. Correctly. So, like a ladder. That's what I try to like imagine. Uh, like, I'm that. thinking more like tiny flying buttresses from the initial yeah, like not, two not rods of structure out. Not into the out. middle. Okay, think of like a pool ladder, like a pool ladder that goes into the pool. You know, like a you know above ground pool. You put a pool ladder in, and it has step by step by step. And those spaces that you step on. Those are the stiffeners. And what the stiffeners are supposed to do is kind of move and have a give so that it carries its own weight. Basically, for our listeners that are listening to it, they're basically like an internal flying buttress, if yes. you will. And I'm, I, you see, I don't know if I'm, a, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm. I uh, think Notre Dame, you know how those arcs come out of the side? Mm-hmm. to hold oh, everything yes. that's a flying yes. buttress okay yes. uh, okay see i'm 
but you said buttress and i was like hey but i you know uh, i'm drawing off of the architectural terms i know which are mostly live in the art history world so right. yes i get what you're saying and i think with the ladders and the run everybody gets what we're saying that's what they are absent <laughs> being our point Right, and the original design does make sense. He has these long rods, and these stiffeners support the weight of the individual walkway one above the other. So if one was having problems, it's not going to affect the one. It, like I get, I I actually, for me, <laughs> me, I get what he was trying to do. But here's it's a here's fail safe. Right. Nothing can happen. It's backed up and back. It's 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 like having multiple backups. Right. Okay. So he took this design and the original design, and he it was sent by his company, which is GCE. And I want you to remember that. So GCE, he sent it to Haven Steel, which you know you always have to co-parent with other companies to make projects and bloody well yes the architect and then the actual uh person that uh, the, the you've dropped the plans and then it goes to a contractor and then they have to subcontract yeah right. anybody that's built a house or anything like that knows what what the process is Exactly. Okay. So here's the thing. And this is actually where in, you know, the private investigator with the lens, he with the Kansas City Star newspaper who was doing his own investigation undercover, you're going to get the real goods. When he finally got access to these plans, he even said it was no, like from straight on, like what I saw on the plans was not the same as the uh, design that was put in place and built. And <laughs> when the original design was sent to the GCE or from the GCE to Haven Steel, um, Haven Steel <clears throat> wrote back, you know, saying that those rods, they're too hard. That's too hard to make. I, we can't do that. Actually, if we're, we're going to suggest this different design and this particular design, okay, i.e., this cheaper, easier out. Mm -hmm. It it was gonna it was gonna be easier. And here's the thing: it was approved without running any calculations to see if it pulled. It was just boom stamped. GCE put its stamp of approval on this request without anything so at first without glance, actually doing the math god so, i love to do the math guys at first glance this this tiny change seemed, it, it just seemed like a just this tiny but in reality it was actually the root cause to the failure okay so i've already explained that it's like a lot like a pool ladder with the steps kind of moving and giving to support its own weight okay here's where it stopped instead of the 14 i don't even know if i should describe it now but <sighs> instead of the the 14 shorter rods where it went right to the first walkway and they bolted it underneath and then put a second rod a little further inward on both sides down 
to the other walkway to hold it. And it, it just, this whole design. Okay, so when you take. So am I correct or incorrect in assuming that the concrete was the major supporter versus a steel skeleton for the structure? Correct. Yes. <laughs> Goddamn. They they built it for the steel, but not for the. In reality, it switched. So, okay. So, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna continue on. The NBS. Okay, they finally got access to see the wreckage in a you know in this random warehouse, and they right away like this was not something that was like they had to dig a whole lot for. They saw right away where the six critical points in this structure were just completely destroyed. Oh, the so now we have the building version of the guys that reconstruct the wreckage in there going, oh, now you motherfuckers in trouble. So there was like this box-like thing around the, the suspension rods, well, supposed suspension rods, and they had been, the box around it had been folded, like on the bottom, it had been folded up, like a bit inward, okay? And the bolts that were, you know, supposedly hanging, ripped completely through, like it just, like, like a So fence. if you were like laying a patio, <laughs> you just made the box and you didn't lay the rebar slabs. You didn't lay the rebar down underneath the concrete. So basically, this was the outline of like a walkway bolted to walls. Right. So Fuck me. Talking, oh, my God. In this point of this conversation, I actually talked to my husband about this, and he's a welder. So what I'm trying to just, you know, because I'm not, I try, I'm, I'm trying to describe what they decided to do in this particular situation. The rods that were to come down all the way through both structures, here's what they decided to do. Instead of taking the beams that they were gonna go, you know, and putting them back to back with the beam in between them, which is where the strongest point would be to press them up against, they decided to take the two beams and turn them toe to toe and then weld them with the rod in the middle so now you've created like a box beam okay so like a, like yeah. a box right with a pot with a rod in between putting pressure on top no i <laughs> i completely get what you're saying instead of building a steel skeletal structure that is fixed in multiple points as far as holding the weight They've just no, I completely get it. I get what you, I get what you're saying, and I promise listeners are following, sister. Okay, and I will get to why this decision was made. I'll get there. Okay, so the private investigators, these are the people that claim that it was the people dancing. You know, they how dare they sway this steel walkway? Why are they dancing? So they were like, oh, the federal investigation is on this. They're like, okay, fine. Okay, so remember, the private investigators claimed that this supposed tragedy was because of the people dancing. You know, how dare they? They were the ones to blame. And these federal investigators were like, yeah, we're going to test that theory. 
Sure. Okay. And so this actual, I, I'm not kidding. This is insane. I watched this video. A team of federal investigators and engineers, they built an exact replica of the beam box. Yes. Okay. They, they put the beam box with the rod and the, and they did the, I mean, they did the whole nine hours. Okay. So and they actually did two different tests. Okay. So. Um, like I said, instead of having the beams be faced back to back with the rod going through, they faced each other and welded at the top and bottom. Because we all know how people are like, yeah, I'm going to weld this with my life depending on it <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> I've bought furniture from afar before. So um, <laughs> um, the beauty of science. I love science saying this okay i just i love saying the beauty of science because it, it's absolutely amazing they were hey able guys to send your kids to stem programs just oh fyi God. there's a reason for it because they use their whole life to study the pressure and this and that and and the angles okay so it, physics is a uh damnable mistress if right. you will Okay, so I'm going to take you back to like the, is it the San Francisco Bridge with harmonic vibrations? Apparently with the wind, it was like blowing and rolling and rocking before it finally collapsed. Yes, it's a suspension. Well, I don't know if it was that, but a suspension bridge situation right. versus a cantilever bridge. Yeah, I get where you're getting at. Go on. <laughs> before this and so they knew of harmonic vibrations so what they did is they tested okay so obviously they knew what they knew that there was this many well they actually didn't even know how many people but what they wanted to find out was first of all how much harmonic vibrations could the walkway hold to begin with luckily the third floor walkway eerily still hung there alive and well. But what they realized is that it was also very close to collapse. <laughs> because it had nothing, and I repeat, nothing to do with harmonic vibrations. And we will get that because they were like, okay, well, even if we did, how many people were on there? Was it really enough to bring this bridge down by like people dancing on this? Is that really, it's a foxtrot. Yeah, it might be upbeat, but when I wrote down what they did is like the foxtrot is 1.7 Hertz. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Versus the walkway is using to have to 7.5 Hertz. So that's, it's, that's what it should normally withstand. Correct. All right. But the fox shot itself is just 1.5. Correct. Okay. So let's add some people. Okay, fine. We'll add people. But, but even then, I can already right. tell you off the right, top right. of my head. Right, right. But here's the thing. They didn't even know how many people at this point. They're thinking, well, shoot, the walkways had to be overflowed with people, right? So where they're like, wait, how many people? They were out of Edson. So then what they ended up doing is actually they reached out to that TV reporter that I talked about before who happened to be there doing the fluff piece. And 
lo and behold, right before they cut the camera to go up and the second walkway and, and get new tape and new battery, their emphasis in the camera was specifically on the walkways. So you could see actually how many people were on there. What capacity was. Yes. Correct. And we're talking about minutes before this. There's no way that a hundred, you know, thousands of people could storm these walkways in minutes. It's just, it's not, no, there's just, come on now. So when they looked at the video, they were able to see about 40 people on the first walkway, which is the second floor, okay? And 23 people on the third walkway, which is on the fourth floor. So again, not that that's not many people, okay? 63 people in total. Assuming all of them are dancing, even at that, yes. Uh -huh. There we go. There you go. Okay, so with the team, they had already, so what they did is they took the first replica of the box beam and they applied it without people. And all they did was apply the eight tons of pressure, you know, of, of concrete, because that's what the walkway actually weighed without people. And they applied it. Okay, so what happened is in this particular design, 20 seconds in, there was movement. But after two, 52 seconds, it stopped. However, what they did is they watched it. They saw that over time, the walls of this box beam bowed out just slightly. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. They just started bow, just a little bit. As it will, because it's an inferior design and a lot of very heavy concrete. Okay. So then they're like, all right, fine. Let's add the people. So what they did is they they're like, okay, you know, eight ton, and then that many people. Let's just let's just call it a ton. Let's just call it an extra ton of people. Yeah, right. Let's just, let's just one ton extra. Okay. This is where things get a little crazy when they start at gradually adding the weight of those people. At 8,160 kgs, like, like kilograms, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the well gives way. Now, I had to look up what the well was, but it basically is like the inner, <laughs> the inner part. Like that, mm -hmm. It's literally your base. <laughs> you're sitting with like the heart you know it like the structural base of the design basically what you're saying is when they designed it they only designed the weight of the structure itself without accounting for folks being on it right which uh, again that's up that's supposed to be up to building code standards but whatever if you're going to make a walkway People are going to walk on it. And, sorry. Anyway, um, so that's what that whole pop, pop sound is, is the well breaking through down. That's just supported by a bolt on the other side. Correct. That's giving right. way. And right. that's the sound. And remember, they're still having to add pressure because we're still not up to that yet. So in less than two seconds at 
8,255 kilograms. The whole thing completely just <laughs> falls through, falling cl- through, collapsing. Which, let's be fair, it was only a matter of time. Oh, we're getting there. Okay. So one of the box beams, and this is something that they found that the NDS they found when they went and finally got to see the wreckage. It was a box beam that was actually named 9UE. And this is a this is a box beam that showed the most and long-term dam- damage, which is believed to be the first one. It was in the exact middle. Okay to break and had been weakening slowly over the 16th, like 16 month period, like time period. It was basically a, like you just said, a a complete disaster waiting to happen. And it was basically like the Achilles heel of the walkway. Like, ah, it really was. All it took was one more person to send it to its death. And with this design, the fourth floor walkway was not only like holding, like I said, it's not only holding its own. And that's what it was supposed to do with the stiff stiffeners, right? I'm probably, I'm saying that right. Yes, it, yes, stiffeners. The stiffeners, the, the thing that was in place, it was supposed to hold its own weight. But because of the new design, not only was it holding its own, but it was now holding the one below, which making it only capable of holding one third of the capacity regulated by building standards. Okay, so they had building standards for this particular thing, but it was actually at this point. But not long term applicable. It was only hanging on by a fucking thread, Jay. Hanging it by basically a had assumed uh, uh, for somebody who is not, not an engineer a basic standard of building code per te- but but the reality is it had not achieved a long term building code. Yeah. Okay. So- Boy, this is just like echoes of triangle shirtwaist and everything else there's a reason for regulation in this country folks it's not out to get you it's because right. it's all happened right. before like time like god bless the bridge order there's a reason and this is the reason because apparently the whole reason why jack gillam's design was changed and was you know hey why don't we why don't we, cost. You know, why don't we do it this way? Actually, no. Believe it why? or not, it was suggested by a Hyatt's architecture because it would be aesthetically pleasing and easier. Aesthetically to- pleasing. Oh dear and, lord. And easier to conceal with plasterboard. <laughs> So, yes, you know what? Actually, I think. Oh, because Notre Dame was constructed the Mm -hmm. way it was to be aesthetically pleasing. See, this is the problem, folks. When you cut humanities and thus art history, we cannot both be ergonomic and aesthetically pleasing. You can do both with a proper education. (laughs) Oh, I hate 
everything. Here's the issue, Jess, is because a federal investigation was, in, you know, informed, like fingers automatically were pointed. Okay, because so GCE and Jack Gillum both stated that it was Missouri, the state of Missouri's fabricator. They were required to do the calculations when the design would change. But Missouri and Haven Steel, you know, they're on this side. They're like, no, it's the structural engineer's job responsibility that if there's any changes to the design to make the calculations. So basically it was like, no, it's you, it's you, it's you. No, it's you, it's you. In the end, okay, by the end. You're both fucked up. Right. However, in the end, uh, the report by the NBS on February 25th. So this happened in July by February of next year. Basically, you're telling us who has the legal liability here. So where does the, where does the legality fall? And where, the what ethical the- responsibility falls to, drumroll please. The structural engineer, GCE, his company. Precisely. And I and, agree with that. And this also included the Hyatt and Hallmark corporations which oversaw the construction and they handed out over 70 million dollars of payouts in settlements which is like as well they should because they suggested the design change because they do not understand the basics of ergonomics and aesthetic (laughs) to architecture that's their fault for having a less than qualified soul to do just that like you could have made a design change that was maybe more costly to work within the parameters of being built safely which was originally designed so fuck everybody and and here's where i get so frustrated justice because he is actually jack ellen at the time was like a 10-year veteran well-known several designed it's Mid- not his fault. It's right. the company's fault. But Let me go ahead and make that clear. Hold on. Here's where I actually sit it because he is on several interviews online. You can find it. No problem. He specifically says, regardless, I am t- it is my responsibility. It is my fault. And I will forever live with that. And here's the worst part. Here's the worst Poor part. shit. Hold on. Okay, go on. The original design, when it was actually tested out, was actually flawed from the start. Oh, and, it is his fault then. Yes, because here's the thing. It's like when, yes, I get the stiff, like the stiffeners and everything, but here's the problem. It did not have enough points of access to withhold the amount of thing and it did not it did not work to have one on top of the other regardless even if he had actually done it the the design in itself was flawed from the very beginning and lacked a central support in other words and then when they it was changed the second one then doubled the weight of the first ended up this tragedy however and i am going to get to this end here the the tragedy 
did result in um, a big transformation of engineering safety in not only the U.S., but also Kansas City completely overhauled their building regulations, making sure that all low-bearing calculations be checked by a city-appointed engineer. So, yay. <laughs> the ASC, okay, or the ASCE, even rewrote their rules to send a completely transparent message to structural engineers. And this is their quote. You are responsible for the plans that carry your stamp. End quote. Period. Like, that's it. Okay? Yes. Haven was like, oh, it's too hard. Let's do this. And they were like, okay. Without even a second glance. They put their stamp on this approval. And this man, I give you this. Jack did come forward and he is physically and put his faith. He was suspended to practice anything in the state of Missouri. And, you know, he even put off everything he did for his life out of the thing because he, and you know what? Good, good. Maybe you'll learn. But at the same time, he was like, I didn't realize this change was made without a particular item that I felt that might have been worth but it, regardless it wasn't going to work anyway it, it was not going to work so that brings us around to a couple of crucial things one the importance of any kind of stem education and based <laughs> on um based on and i'm gonna say this and i mean it based on even people that are five years younger than me, mm -hmm. based on their hum their level of humanities and what I've seen being in the history podcast community, the misunderstanding of methods, uh, the misunderstanding of common knowledge, what needs to be cited, what doesn't need to be cited, um, what passes for... Uh, what is in fact uh, a dubious source, like the fact that people believe the Trojan horse is without a doubt a real thing. In reality, we don't know. If we're going to go by that, then we must also believe that a Cyclops is in fact a real thing based on source citing. Based on what I see and the degradation alone and humanities education, I can only imagine... I wouldn't give anybody, and I mean this the best way possible, I would not give a majority of BA students in history or most of the humanities a fucking degree based on what I've seen out of the intelligence pool within the last 10 years. So I definitely wouldn't assume that STEM education has been any better. And so let's go on back to 1980, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to educational standards even then. So obviously somebody gave these folk degrees in well, some kind of engineering and some kind of aesthetic hold education. On, hold, hold on. I, I'm not going to say that 
because there's the thing is I did look up Jack Gillum's career. He really did. He really was well. But the thing was, is he was pushed like I but said. But he made a crucial fuck mistake. up. Yes. And nobody was there to tell him this isn't going to work. Oh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to the ideas of fail safes, but I am I am currently on my soapbox critiquing the American, (laughs) quite frankly, the Western world's education system. So if we have these failures in STEM understanding, like way back in 80, goes to Christmas future, folks. Imagine (laughs) what they're building right now. Yes. And the people that are building it. And this is a man with an illustrious career that Mm -hmm. one time had his thumb up his ass and failed. And then that was compounded by a lack of fail-safes in 1981. So think about when you're walking on shit right now, smartasses, just saying. And here's the thing, Justice, like when I explain this concept design, when even the very first design that he had in place to my husband, who, who has spent many years on a welding of ships, he was like, well, wait, how many points are there to support the, with these stiffeners? Like how, how many, how many stiffeners, stiffeners, whatever, stiffeners, where, how many are there? And I was like, well, there's six. He was like, how, how heavy is it? I'm like, we're talking eight tons. He's like, you're going to need a lot more than just six spots to hold. An eight and ton. this is a man that builds ships off the top of his head. So, you know what? He is Maybe. socially not acceptable because he does not have a college education. And maybe. He- let's not, like, let's maybe assume that we've already self-corrected on this horseshit. I don't know. But it always leads us back to that, like, education gap. And then when I explained to him, and I actually, I will, I'm going to send you pictures, and we can tweet about it later with my notes. But I did, like, a graph. Like, I kind of draw, I drew out, like, you know, (laughs) one-dimensional what this looked like to kind of explain him it was a ladder and then they brought the rods slightly inward and neck and he was like wait wait a minute you're already putting pressure on the outside of these structural beams that aren't meant to have that and i was like oh my god why is it that you understand this and maybe because he knew it because we've been through it i don't know but i'm just saying i'm like damn it I didn't know until I listened to it. You know. (laughs) But maybe I'm going to take the leap that while I don't love Big Brother any more than anybody else, um, this shit is tried and tested if it's a government construction, whereas corporatocracy and the building of things by corporates or corporations aren't necessarily you know it's more about aesthetics and it's more about money making than it is about like how being correct trot on a walkway it's got a walkway you uppity bitches god damn 
Bethany, I've got so much I could be preachy on to like correlate to current events, but I'm not going to do it. I'm okay. not going to do it. Gonna you, tell you give me your takeaway. I've already accidentally done it. So you go ahead and do your thing. Okay, so here, here's the aftermath. Okay, so eventually they, and I wouldn't say that the people of Kansas City have moved past it, but they have rebuilt. Rebuild it and they will come. Build it and they come. Rebuild and they definitely will come. But the Build it and they will come and like Shoeless Joe Jackson will play baseball on it, guys. Like, do what you will. Yeah, so when they, <laughs> they built this, even though there was still a remaining walkway, obviously it was bowing out like i just said it was a disaster waiting to happen and again i'm going to remind you of the accident that happened with the roof the atrium glass that if they had taken the time to look further down and, and assessed if there was any damage with the walkways they would have noticed that the bowing had already started to happen in those crucial points in the so nobody understood in the entire construction of this building the importance of a, a of a center yes. to any of the construction. Yes, the center of a building collapsed, and they thought at the time. This is what I meant in the very beginning that this was a write off. At the time, it was considered a write off because they thought that it was just installed wrongly but actually what happened is that everything that was leading down all the way down to the lobby all the way down to those infamous walkways it was pulling at even the hotel's weakest points <laughs> would have found that out if they had looked down further and had seen the bowling process and it would have been fixed or, or even perhaps if they'd taken a look back in history and seen the problems uh with saint peter's mm. throughout the ages but whatever whatever i mean so, you know what do i know but we're in you know they borgia pope the shit out of it so let's go on okay so they're trying to even though like i said the whole process of this is they were trying to rebuild and revamp the downtown area and even after this tragedy, the Hyatt decided to rebuild. You know, they're gonna. Hello, they're in the middle. It's a, it's the corporation. Of course, they're gonna refucking build. But what they did is they redid it with the skies. You know, the 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 wall to ceiling. You know, the uh, glass and the restaurants and all. Minus. Oh, are you telling me they did it correctly? Without the walkways. Yeah. <laughs> Except they did do a walkway for the second floor. What they changed was instead of it being suspended, they built basically huge concrete columns below. Oh, to you don't say a door <laughs> column might be necessary somewhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So and that's it. That's all I've got. I, I'm I'm done. A pillar might be necessary. Oh, that's good to know. A couple pillars between the 120 foot long 
Yeah. Do, the but they, do they think they are the Guggenheim? <laughs> but they put it underneath instead of suspending it from above. And they're like, yeah, this tiny rod is going to hold an eight-ton concrete slab. Sure. Oh, you you don't think that they can, can you couldn't uh, fasten that into a glass ceiling? <laughs> and was so crazy. You can't fast. You can't suspend from a glass ceiling. You don't fucking say. And it's so crazy because the evidence was so there. Because even the investigator, well, he was a private. He was undercover. He was disguised as somebody, and that's why he had the camera with the special lens. That when a, he even said when he when he took he took photos quickly he just kept snapping because he didn't know how long he had when he looked back at he's like it was very evident that when you got the plans from city hall which clearly showed a long pole or long rod that went all the way down he said the very first picture i took were these rods short rods still hanging from the ceiling like clearly that's not a 14 millimeter rod that's a short ass rod right, right. um actually i'm really excited when we post this episode come monday that you go ahead and post your little drawings and maybe jot down cody's notes <laughs> I'm as so a fucking ship builder no. you know when shit matters <laughs> at sea because it'll be a rando tie-in to our next episode which is even more fun i'm excited okay so but that's it that's my thing and you can um a round of applause i need to hear it thank you come on i um, am very proud you outdid yourself I am clapping and bumping a microphone, which is supposedly a no-no from what I hear. <laughs> they can suck my dick. Okay, so go check out us on Patreon if you want to actually watch us record um, on this day in history. You can find that new series. It's on patreon.com slash bodycount. We do post it for free for now. It's for free for now. Um, we're going to get some new series going, guys. Uh, what we're wanting to do is venture into some folklore and some fun folklore interview episodes. Yeah. Um, and some different things maybe that we have coming up. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Hashtag teaser. <laughs> Give us music. So uh, anywhere you can hear us, like uh, wherever you listen or whatever, to podcasts, just search body count or listen to us on our website at bodycounthistorypod.com. Do us oh, favorite. really quickly, can I go ahead and put out? Um, the, the website will stay the same, but we're going to be making some changes to the website very soon. Um, I am going to start writing these scripts as blog posts. I'm sorry. I said so much shit about you just then. I know you didn't hear a thing I said, but if you listen back to the recording, you What will. did you fucking say about me? Yes, go ahead. 
bitch and we all know it's your I don't even know but I just was like yes it's yours I know talk all you want blow me <laughs> quite frankly hashtag blow me yeah it is it is I'm going to be starting to post oh my god I'm such a bitch right now um, I'm going to be starting to post uh, a lot of, I'm going to start doing live scripts and posting them there for folks that can't necessarily, you know, follow us, listen to us, whatever. You're going to be reading it and you're going to be reading it as I write it real time. I'm going to be cutting out all the whatever i'm gonna speak as i say if you will sort of a blog post there eventually mm -hmm. yeah no i'm over your acquiescence you hateful bitch <laughs> yes your majesty. Yes, majesty i just don't want to be thrown out in the hole and you know to the, the bottomless pit okay so why don't you blow me? You got your own blog series. We're all here to fucking listen to after this. I am so glad our listeners get to like real time. Listen to how we speak to each other. It's so <laughs> exciting. Yeah. I just wanted to be putting the marker in that the website will be changing and evolving soon. And there are going to be other things there that you can see. You know what? As well as a live link to Bethany's OTD histories, which is why we're doing this goddamn shit in the first place. Hateful. Me. <laughs> so please do us a favor and just tell one person about me. I mean, about us. <laughs> Couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm, she's talking about coming out here. <laughs> to see me soon and just so we all know i'm gonna drown her in a fucking like cauldron of water i'm gonna do it like medieval style we're kidding folks we actually love each other this is how we speak to one another always and forever <laughs> even when the record button is not pushed i tell her and she tells me how she secretly wants to drown me in a pool of her own well, of my own tears. I say that I like to fill it up with tears and my spit, and I'm going to drown her in a basin of it. So that's where we live. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'm going to finish it out, Jay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to finish it. You can hear I'll it. be quiet. Sorry. I won't be the host of the show. <laughs> you can hear us. Okay, so I'm just confused. You can hear us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Like we said, just research Body Count or listen to us on our podcast uh, website, which is bodycounthistorypod.com. Just remember, mm -hmm. please one person let us let them know they're like hey do you know anything about history and they're like no and i'm like do you like to drink yeah well then body counts for you bam <laughs> so just just one person you can also grab our merch at bigheadsmedia.com click the history tab and we are boom right there history count pod we we also post this on this day in history body count like we just talked about we do every other day where it's either 
an actual recording or just social media so um you can find us on there please and they are awesome i will say guys really quickly bethany puts an incredible an admirable amount of work in this shit like i'm always blown away when i look at it it's incredibly interactive it's it's amazing <laughs> quite frankly and it is something to go and look at and it's awesome it's really really cool if you need your day-to-day tidbits of body count bullshit boy does she supply like in full guys it's awesome so go look at it yes and honestly even if you're like thank you jess i don't care you don't have to know it's me you don't gotta know but you can follow me on twitter at bethany skeleton five that's number five and on instagram at bethany rn 24 and of course jessica the one that they all love the most where can they find you you ass clown um <laughs> at, guys just so we know i do no work outside of research and writing what i put on this like bethany deserves an amazing amount of credit but if you want to follow me i am at jessica b manner manner spelled like the house not the behavior at both twitter and instagram and then of course you can follow the show which is run by bethany for everybody's information it is not me i am a luddite I'll you can re- only find me at me um I'll respond she, I, I will. She, she forwards the hate to me guys don't yeah, worry don't respond uh, to that. <laughs> she only responds to the good things i field all your shitty things as always um, but that is where you can find me and uh, bitch at me for anything that's on this show. You can find me and bitch at me. Literally can be taken anyway. Well, uh, it's a lot of bit of both. Let me put it that way. Oh. Love you so, so much. Thanks for hanging in with us. We've had a crazy week, but we will hopefully be back with you as soon as possible absolutely and i have to thank bethany i thought this was a great episode and i hope that you guys go and listen to her awesome on this day in history series otds guys it's really really cool that's all her that's not me (laughs) Bye. bye